0: Last time on The Cellcast, the animated series. Thing is, uh, ambient warp drive noises have been noted by many Trekkies to be the best white noise. Hmm. You ever need white noise for something? Hmm. Throwing up a YouTube video of one of the uh, ships, uh, they mention how hard it is to get cheese out of fur in a sonic shower. Yeah. Which I do feel for uh, our cat friend this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, tell that to the Abrams' person, that they're transporters that can transport halfway across the freaking galaxy. Excuse me. <laughs> Bitter, much. It's a continuity error I'm not a fan uh, of. Okay. Do you remember when we were in probably junior high or high school is when you might have run into this, and we were using Microsoft Office for the first time, and you yeah. had those little buddy icon helper yeah. things, uh-huh. and the most annoying one was Clippy? Clippy, yeah. I do This guy talking. is Clippy. It is Clippy. And that's a joke kids kids younger than us will never get. Yeah. I hate to say it. But I'm looking at this <laughs> oh, this is Clippy. Oh. This is why we shouldn't be mad at Clippy. <laughs> Thank goodness Microsoft Office doesn't have need of these safety protocols because it doesn't work that way. Cartoons. The Animated Frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast Podcast. Its continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few
1: ever go again. Ray, riff, riff, wrong, Okay, risk progress is a port of Christian Reek. Central hey scoop what are you doing man R- i don't know i'm supposed to be reading an ad all right hold on give me give me it R- okay <laughs> all right this podcast is part of the christian geek central network at christiangeekcentral.com geek <laughs>
0: Hello oh, and welcome to another episode of the Cellcast,
1: the animated series.
0: Joining me today is a man who sometimes just needs to go flying away, Jacob.
1: Ruff, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Like to introduce our co-host, a man who just—it's just cosmetic. Welcome, Drew.
0: I need to have that sound effect going for a little bit at the beginning of this episode, don't yeah.
1: I? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh,
0: doo-doo-doo. Today, we're reviewing Season 1, Episode 7 of Star Trek Lower Decks called Much Ado About Boimler, which was written by M. Willis and directed by Barry J. Kelly. In this episode, Mariner tries to impress her best friend from Starfleet Academy, who is a visiting captain. Boimler is sent to Starfleet Medical Ship after a transporter accident puts him out of phase. Also, there is a dog. So, uh, in this episode, this episode starts off Referencing, uh, the TNG season six two-parter episode Chain of Command, where, uh, Captain Picard and Dr. Crusher go on some secret mission to infiltrate a Cardassian yeah. planet. And Captain Jellicoe is a is a temporary captain of the Enterprise in that right. one. Referencing also the fact that she calls, uh, these sub-captains, uh, babysitter Jellico" types.
1: Hmm, okay. Uh...
0: Jellicoe was oh, yeah, never mind, skipping that Ramsey's crew is utterly baffled why Mariner is still an ensign despite the fact she went to the academy with their captain this joke might be referencing uh, Ensign Harry Kim from Star Trek Voyager who remained an ensign throughout all seven seasons makes sense despite the fact a lot of people got uh,
1: promotions been there, done that
0: The uh, weird phasing effect that uh, Boiler is having to deal with is, while it's not described or explained exactly, it might be referencing the Next Generation episode, The Next Phase, in which Geordie and Ensign Roe are presumed dead after being transported incorrectly. A transporter malfunction also led to a strange phasing that happened to Captain James T. Kirk in the original series episode, The Tholian Web. Hmm. Uh... At one point, Boimler is spooked that the time travel police is coming to get him mm-hmm. because uh, he's confused Division fourteen with uh, the temporal agents. That uh, dang, I just walked right past it. Well, there was a Deep Space Nine episode called uh, "Trials and Tribulations" that dealt with uh, two very Fox and Mulder types coming to the uh, coming to Deep Space Nine to find mm. out why the Defiant and her crew went back back in time to the episode, of the trouble with Tribbles," Uh, uh-huh. this might be a reference to that group all or, uh, the group that ensign Daniels from star Trek enterprise might've technically been a part of, because he was traveling from the future back to the time enterprise to stop a temporal cold war from erupting. Oh, okay. getting any worse than it already was. I should say, uh, we can see a doll is one of captain Freeman's trinkets in her, uh, office, uh, the Gorn is what Captain Kirk fought at, uh, well, at the location that was filmed at, uh, oh, what is the name of that rock formation we talked about earlier? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, where Bill and Ted died. Yeah. Ver, uh, Vasquez rocks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what, we, that's the Gorns or is that alien species that Kirk fought Vasquez rocks in. Oh, Arena. okay.
1: The green lizard. The green
0: lizard thing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the that Vasquez Rocks was recently reused in Picard season one as Vasquez Rocks. Okay. Uh, the Division fourteen medical specialist is a huge alien callback to the original animated series. He is from a species known as the Triexian. They, of course, could not exist outside of the animated series because the three arms.
1: Yeah. Thing there. That makes sense.
0: Uh, Captain Ramsey says uh, her Vulcan officer kicks some Borg butt with Vulcan Jiu-Jitsu. This probably references the Vulcan martial art, art of uh, Sus Mana, which was introduced in Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, they mention stealing an old special car. This might be a reference to uh, uh, Star Trek
1: 2009
0: where James T. Kirk stole a sixty-seven, uh, 65 chevy corvette stingray and mm-hmm. drove it off
1: a cliff yeah ouch that hurt watching
0: yeah uh one of the people on the division 14 ship going to the farm is a he's a, a freak of nature because of some medical things that's how everyone on there is yeah the result of some strange freakish thing yeah and uh one of them was he was equal parts accelerated growth and reverse aging uh which makes him a half-old man and half-little kid. This accelerated growth might be a reference to the original series episode, The Deadly Years, and the Next Generation episode, Unnatural Selection, while the Reverse Aging Effect would reference the TNG episodes, Too Short a Season, Rascals, and uh, in, in, one, in Rascals we actually got Picard, Ensign Ro, Guinan, and I believe it was Crusher. Dr. Crusher, who mm-hmm. uh, got turned into kids. Oh, fun. I think that's right.
1: Maybe. Her...
0: Keiko. it's was Keiko O'Brien. Keiko
1: O'Brien. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, Chief O'Brien's, you know, the most important man in Starfleet. Right. His wife. Oh, okay. Who we just recently saw as Mulan's mother in uh, uh, the 2020 Mulan mm-hmm. movie. Yes. And finally the animated series episode the counterclock incident which nearly all the classic crew got turned into babies that's one of the weirder episodes from my understanding i haven't seen it yet
1: okay uh
0: the two division 14 pa- at least two division 14 patients have been exposed to delta radiation this is the same radiation that affected captain pike in uh, the menagerie Mm-hmm. Which is why they were in the same type of wheelchairs Captain Pike was in in the menagerie. Hmm. Uh, and for those of curious, they appear to be... They, a lot of season two of Discovery foreshadowed that incident. Hmm. So just putting that out there. Okay. The uh, space slug from Voyager. Which when I saw that and realized what it was made me laugh so hard Jacob jumped out of the chair
1: yeah exactly you know this this episode was already giving me like it's with, yeah, chills already it's and the he dog
0: <laughs> yeah um, it's a dog
1: yeah that dog is one like one of the
0: patients is named Anthony and looks exactly and I do mean exactly like the slug versions of Janeway and Paris from the Voyager episode Threshold in that episode they uh, somehow this is actually a very bad episode of Voyager I okay. have to say But um, they had finally found a way to get above Warp 10, which is kind of like the speed limit Mm -hmm. of physics. Because of the way the warp uh, scale is divided, technically Mm -hmm. you should never be able to make it to Warp 10. But somehow they were able to do it in this episode. Yeah. And the strange thing is, about going that fast, it somehow messed with the DNA and they somehow turned into... Uh, well, it turned Paris... So, slowly started turning Paris into this sea slug... Or space slug thing. And then, before the end of the episode... He kidnapped Janeway... Forced her to go through this thing. They landed on a planet... Where they were both turned into these little space slug things. And, uh... When we finally... Ca- when Chakotay and the crew finally catch up with him, what The one I assume is Janeway... Has a little space slug babies... Fla- uh, ...go off into the thing, and the epi- and uh, they get them back in the Doctor somehow that saves them.
1: <laughs> like I said, it is a bad episode. A <laughs> very odd, bizarre episode. Yes.
0: And they went ahead and referenced it here, which I didn't expect them to do. Uh, the uh, USS Rubidoux, like the Cerritos, is another California-class starship... And it's named for a neighborhood in Riverside County, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one actually had a red trim, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the yellow trim of the Cerritos or the blue trimming of the Merced we saw in Episode Mm 4, which uh, in theory means its missions are more command-centric. Okay. Whatever that means. Okay. The Gravity Boots were first seen in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, Mm -hmm. in which uh, Chekhov attempted to... Uh, claimed, or uh, Chekhov claimed they belonged to, since so they were found in uh, Ensign Dax's uh, locker, mm-hmm. said it was her, his, and said, but Have you ever heard the Russian epic of Cinderella? If shoe feets, wear it. Feets. To which they all point down, and Ensign Dax's feet are not exactly the kind that would fit in that sort of gravity. <laughs> as
1: you remember that, I do recall recalling that.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah. Also, Picard famously deactivates his gravity... Well, in Star Trek First Contact, there is a scene in which uh, Captain Picard was able to escape some Borg drones on the outside of the Enterprise by deactivating his gravity boots and pushing himself to the other side right before Worf stands back up with a Borg drone's hand tied around the uh, hole in his spacesuit, points his phaser rifle up at the... What, what the Borg were building on the Enterprise-E and says, assimilate this. And pulls the trigger and blows yeah. it up. hmm in, in one of my favorite scenes. Uh, last but not least, the giant... Oh, not last but not least, but the giant space jellyfish that uh, was in the Rubidoux. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a reference to the Next Generation pilot episode encounter at Farpoint in which two space jellyfish... Uh, were at the center of everything that was going on, hmm. and uh, the epi- the episode ends with Ransom offering to buy Captain Ramsey a drink, Freak. but uh, she flips him over the table instantly. This might be a reference to the first ever episode of the Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, emissary, where Quark makes a similar pass to Kira, and she says, "If you don't take that, if you don't take that hand off my hip, you'll never be able to lift a glass with it again." <laughs> and that are all the references in uh, this episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. So since I've talked for a bit
1: What did you think of this episode? Uh I'm kinda mixed. I mean like it's it's very got this uh this horror vibe to it. It's, yes, it's it's almost like it's almost appropriate for more like a Halloween episode, which mm-hmm. is a little early. But By a month. By a month. But there were parts I liked and there was parts I didn't like. Um, uh, they were the part that Boimler got transported, and it became almost transparent. Mm-hmm. Or he's in this phase mode. Yes, and like even um, what's his name? Rutherford. Rutherford. Rather be like, oh, it's it's just a phase. I'm thinking like, okay, it's it's a it's momentary. But then they go it's through a this very long moment. It's a very long moment. But at the same time, be like, it's. Then we get the dog, who's was really cool, until the, the the flipping of the head back and yes. fat things coming out of his mouth. I'm like, jeez Well, I mean, your
0: first clue that there's something very, very wrong with this dog is after Tendy leaves, yeah. its head... Snaps back, and it turns into Spider-Dog in the most horrifying way possible. Oh
1: my gosh, and then it turns into a cube. Then it turns into a cube, Cube.
0: randomly, yeah, which made no sense, though I was amazed by how much momentum it had. Yeah. And then there was the thing where it turned into... Its its mouth split open and became a worm mouth, and the bats Mm.
1: flew out of it. That's creepy beyond belief. And then
0: it ends with... The dog talking to Tendy like it's a normal person. And floating off. And floating off. It's like... Okay. And then Boyd says, Wait, you knew that thing could do all that stuff? says, yeah. Don't normal dogs do that? No!
1: <laughs> Even the dogs... Oh, are the, the, well, the, guess what? You are a freak! <laughs> <laughs> I know! I just didn't want to concern you! I... <laughs> uh, the... Oh, gosh, this... Like, I understand where they're going with this episode. I totally get it. It's got this horror vibe to it. And uh, the the medical ship to go into the mm-hmm. farm uh, be like, oh, we've been here for months, and you think you're trapped in an isolated building or yeah. isolated room like you would normally do in a horror film. The uh, Of course, Boimler tells the captain. and be Because like, he's Boimler. Because he's Boimler. And uh, I love this episode. Uh, encompasses Boylmer quite a bit and then you mm-hmm. get... Um, the other story. The other story with the... Hold on.
0: <laughs> Ramsey?
1: Ramsey, like... Wait a minute, what? Oh yeah, Ramsey and... Captain Ramsey? Uh, yeah, Captain Ramsey. <laughs> I keep thinking other, but... Either way, you get Captain Ramsey, you get uh, Mariner, you get that mm-hmm. dynamic, like they knew each other when they were Starfleet. Right. And... You get this whole ramble, you get this uh, intense situation mm-hmm. where this other starship is breaking apart, be like, you have this intense situation, and they're having this argument about how they're, uh, be like, how you've changed and all this great stuff, and be like, don't you think it'd be a better time to have a conversation?
0: Well, we also only have 30 minutes for them to get through all of That episodes. is true, but... And that was something that they needed to hash out right at that moment, because... Yeah. Up until that point in the episode, Ramsey yeah. was getting more and more frustrated yeah, I, that's, with I, how inept uh, Mariner was. Yeah, that's treating that's
1: that's one thing she I didn't Finally,
0: get. realizes once the uh, emergency yeah. occurs, and all of a sudden, Mariner is probably the best best operating Starfleet person on yeah. the ship. That she was trying to throw the. Uh, she was trying to take a dive. Yeah. So that she could not be transferred over yeah. to whatever ship Ramsey's going to. Yeah. And she wants to know why. It's like, you were the coolest person ever. You were the only... You, we, you were you the one we everyone assumed was going to be the make first captain. Yeah. You're the only one who kept us on top of our grades. You're the only person... If, if you weren't who you were in Starfleet Academy, uh, we would not be where we are today. And yet... Here you are, an ensign, on a, pea, a piece of crap ship, out the middle of nowhere. Yeah. What happened? Mm-hmm. And she's and I think we finally are starting to get some, my, some more... My, my theory as to why uh, Mariner is there is get some more support in this episode. Mm. Because you get the feeling that she... Well, I do think she is disillusioned.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: very much. I think a lot of why she's there is she's, she doesn't, I think she doesn't want to be captain until she knows how to be the captain she wants to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's nine-tenths of it because if she, we can see she knows how to work. All she's got to do is, you know, act right for yeah. for you know, maybe a month, two months, mm-hmm. she could be upgraded, very upgraded, she could be promoted very quickly yeah. up the ranks and become the captain of her own starship because she is a very capable officer, but she doesn't want to be.
1: Yeah, she, she doesn't want to be. And because she...
0: she does not like the Starfleet bureaucracy in so many ways. Yeah. And she doesn't know how best to handle that.
1: And it se- it seems more that, it seems even more to that, that, that um, Mariner has to be like, she's the laid back kind of character who mm-hmm. be like, I'm going to find the easiest, cheapest way to find, you know, any way out of anything. But when you have like, you know, crunch time or, you know, yeah. a, a crisis comes over, be like, that's when that, that leadership quality can pops into her. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my, strap, wrap my brain around that. It's like, okay. So you're the, the laziest person on the ship. But when action kicks up, it's, it, it's not it's,
0: lazy. Though She goes to a lot of work to appear lazy.
1: That is true. That is true.
0: And you, you go back to a couple episodes ago where, uh, was it episode five, where she was uh, promoted to lieutenant right. for a short time? Yeah. And before that, before she got promoted, she was doing, she had all the worst jobs on the ship and she found ways. Uh-huh. To make them better jobs than they were. Yeah, I agree and with you. She actively that. improved the uh, the jobs of the people around her who right. were, had the same jobs. Right. Everyone else was willing to ignore those people, mm-hmm. and I think in many ways that's how she feels about lower decks. Part of the yeah, reason makes sense. In that episode, she hates that promotion is not mm-hmm. because it was a promotion and more responsibility. It was more responsibility in that
1: environment. Yeah
0: in her own environment she would or in a different environment where that was more laid back
1: and not so high strung
0: well really 24th century-esque yeah is the best way I know how to put it because most of that ship while it's not the Enterprise it feels like they're trying to copy what we saw on the Enterprise yeah which is not exactly it's a little romanticized yeah on how people work Mm hmm uh I, and I think Mariner knows that and wants something maybe more akin to, uh, she doesn't want a big ship. She doesn't want a ship at the line. She wants a smaller ship, I think, but she wants, she doesn't want to have to go through the bullcrap. Yeah. The easiest way I know how to put that. Yeah. I gotcha. In order to get up there. And she's literally doing her best to keep from having to go through any bull crap. And when, in this episode, Ramsey offers, offers to make her her first officer, she has to make a choice. Is this now when I leave the Lower Decks, or is this when I finally step up and maybe join a much more capable crew? One that's not, you know, so set in its pre-Dominion War ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. That had to be sharpened during the Dominion War. Think that's what's going on? I don't really know. Yeah. I think she's she she she's in love with the ideals of Starfleet, but not with the reality yeah. of Starfleet, I exactly think is what it
1: is. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. And she's
0: trying to figure out how she's going to work in that environment. And that's why she's intentionally trying to stay as lower decks as possible because at least lower decks she's able to work with the people mm-hmm. and not just, you know, maybe lead from on high. True. Anyway, that's my thoughts.
1: All right, yeah, it's it's a good episode. There's there's a lot of good in there. There's a lot of like really good suspense moments mm-hmm. uh, that make you actually jump. Uh, definitely the dog. Oh yes. my gosh, the dog. Um,
0: well, another thing I want to point out uh, that ship. We, we don't know how long the the farm as yeah. they kept calling it yeah. was in What was on that mission to collect everything. But it had to have been at least a couple years because half old man, half kid guy mm-hmm. is wearing a uh, a Deep Space Nine first contact uh, style uh, uniform. Yeah. He's well, the only one on there wearing that style uniform, but he does have a, that older style uniform.
1: Well, also, at least they've been there for months.
0: More than months, because I think he had to have been at least been on that ship for about a year now. Mm. at least mm. I mean I don't probably yeah, where he was from a, it would have to be a year because this season takes place a year after nemesis and nemesis had those uniforms
1: okay that makes sense mm.
0: anyway yeah either way it was a good continuity things is what yeah, I catch
1: I gotcha uh good episode a little weird um yeah would fit more into more like a, like a Halloween episode because mm-hmm. it has that that you know how, factor. Creepy factor playing to it. Um, but other than that, it was it was a good episode. Um, I enjoyed it to an extent There I, you know, there was a little problems here and there, but um, I enjoyed it.
0: Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So join us for our next episode, which is Veritas. Veritas. Or Veritas. I think it's Veritas. Hmm. It's Latin. I don't know; it's all Greek to me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> join us on that next episode, and we'll see you then. Later. Live long and prosper. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast.
1: Oh boy. So, where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page. On Twitter at Jacob Heron. On Instagram at Jacob B. Heron and on Letterbox at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook
0: at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterbox at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759.
1: Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, The thecellcast.com podbeam.com where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on apple podcasts google play and stitcher our rss feed if we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory please share review and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends
0: you will also find a link to our facebook group the double feature podcast community where we talk about both animated and live action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother, Jim at uh, the movie of the week podcast, where we talk about live action movies. You can also email us at the cellcast podcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, Every time we say the cell cast, that is with a single L.